Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope your week is going well. We actually just got back from Alaska. I've been traveling a lot with my kids and it was gorgeous. Oh my gosh, cold, but gorgeous. So I am tired, just got back yesterday, but I wanted to make sure to give you this episode because I think this is a really important episode for so many of us. And I wanna talk about how do you parent multiple kids in your home with anxiety or OCD? Because that brings with it its own unique struggles, but also, you may not believe what I'm going to say, it brings with it some unique gifts and strengths that you don't have if you only have one child with anxiety or OCD. It's always good to make lemonade out of lemons, right? So I'm going to dive into that today and talk to you about a whole bunch of things that are related to having multiple kids in your home with anxiety or OCD. Before I jump into it, I want to just say thank you to NoCD. They're sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. And the cool thing is they're available in the U.S. and in other countries as well. You can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Okay, I also want to give you one announcement that my free series, Survival Tools for Parents Raising Kids with Anxiety or OCD, is back by popular demand. I have two different parenting series that I do, and I do each one of them twice a year. So it's a free series. And uh, if you haven't taken it before, it gets a lot of positive feedback. It gets a lot of, that doesn't even make sense. People like it. (laughs) I always am flooded with thank yous after, especially this one, the survival tool series. So if you want to sign up, you can go to atparentingsurvivalseries.com. You have to register for it. But it is starting December 2nd, 2021, and it's a video series. There's three videos in the series, and you can watch them on demand throughout that week that I run the series. So you don't have to commit your time. Uh, You can watch it on your time. That's really important to me. But what I do in that series is I go over the tools that you can start using right away to help your child with anxiety or OCD. And I kind of help you figure out where you need to start because the majority of parents are starting a little bit too far ahead. And so you have to know where's your entry point in helping your child. And you have to know that you are the most powerful person to help your child or to help your child help themselves because a therapist sees our kids maybe once a week, twice a week, and you are with your child 24 seven. So it is a really empowering series. And I hope to see you over there. That's atparentingsurvivalseries.com. And you can register for that. And then I will email you when it opens and email you the links to watch the videos. Okay, let's talk about parenting multiple kids. (laughs) You could tell I'm tired from my Alaska trip. The first thing I would say is you want to look at what story you're telling yourself about having multiple kids. I always like to start with our mindset or the story that we're telling ourselves, the narrative that we're telling ourselves, because that's really powerful. How we are shaping and forming our situation will directly impact how effective we'll be. And that goes for everything, not just this topic. So are you telling yourself, oh my gosh, I can't believe my next child 
or my third child or my fourth child is showing signs of anxiety or OCD as well. That's so overwhelming. I could barely function with one. How am I going to do two or three? Does that sound like you? Is that a story that you're telling yourself? And these are stories that will be different for each person, but I want to share a couple of them. Or are you saying to yourself, oh my gosh, what is wrong with my parenting? Why am I having now another child who's having the same exact issues or having different issues, but similar, you know, it must be something that I'm doing or our house is doing because here we go again. So you want to look at reframing the story that you're telling yourself because it's kind of like when you're out in the cold, <laughs> this is like, because we were just in negative 22 degrees in Alaska, when you constantly remind yourself, I'm so cold, I'm so cold, I'm so cold. Or today, my son was like, I'm so tired, I'm so tired, I'm so tired. You're going to feel it worse, right? If, if you've ever been in pain and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm in so much pain, I'm in so much pain. The more you kind of go over it, over it, over it, the more you feel it and the worse it feels. And so those stories are really important. So you have to come up with a new story. And what is that new story? For me, it is, you know what? There's a high genetic predisposition in my family on both sides for my kids to have anxiety or OCD. So it's not really surprising that I'm going to have multiple kids with anxiety or OCD. That's just our bag. That's what we have. Other people have, you know, asthma, diabetes, God forbid, cancer, right? That's their deal. We've got anxiety or OCD. And that's okay because there are tools that I can teach my kids to help them through that. It is an issue that can be worked on and improved, which is an optimistic thing. So how can you reframe the story that you're telling yourself? Because when we become a victim to life situations, then we act like a victim and victims don't get up and feel empowered. Victims just lay there and take it. I don't want you to be a victim. I don't want your kids to be a victim. And so, and your kids can pick up on your vibe. So if you are feeling deflated, then your kids are going to feel deflated too. Now, having said that, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to grieve another diagnosis or to have moments where you're like, can I just get a break? My gosh, that's okay. But do you live in that or do you visit that? And we've been talking a lot about mindset lately. The last episode was all about you blaming yourself, right? And so where you live in your head is what your life will be. So if I'm living in, I can't do this, I can't handle this, I can't believe this is happening again, it's okay to visit that place because you do have to process your grief, but you don't want to live there. So once we can wrap our brain around it, it is what it is, right? Do I need to waste more energy and spin my wheels more about the fact that now my next child is showing some symptoms or do I have to you know, grieve that for a little while? And I did have a podcast on grieving the diagnosis of anxiety or OCD. I'll tell you what episode that was. That was episode 189. And if you ever are trying to look for these podcast episodes, I do get people reaching out saying, I can't find it. Or how do I find that? Because I do like to, whenever I'm bringing up a topic, I'll be like, you should listen to this episode. In a perfect world, the easiest way, if you have iTunes or Apple podcast to go there because they're all, they should all be listed. But I do house every single episode and every single YouTube video on my website directly. So if you go to atparentingsurvival.com, and you scroll all the way down to the very bottom of my website, there's a search button. And if you just type in the title or even a keyword, it will pop up. It's very good. It's a good search. So this one is PSP 189. 
So I wonder if you even typed in that in the search box, if that would come up. But I just typed, I just typed in grief and it was the second thing that popped up. Helping parents handle the grief that comes with an anxiety or OCD diagnosis. So just a little ninja tip for my resources. That is probably the easiest way. I normally try to tell you the title when I'm telling you a different resource so that you can just hit the search button and find it there. Okay. That episode can help you as far as the grief goes to have, you know, another diagnosis kind of land in your, in your home. But I want to talk about the positive things that can come with it. And now you might be saying, Natasha, there's nothing positive about this. This is terrible. Like I was already overwhelmed with my first child and now my second child showing symptoms, or maybe I was handling both my kids and now my third child is showing symptoms. It is what it is. And that's been my mantra lately. It's like, what is, not what if, right? Or what will be. It is what it is. Does it suck? Yeah, 120%. It sucks, right? But it is what it is. So spinning your wheels and trying to hope that it's not going to be there to close your eyes and your ears and just, you know, pray that it'll go away. It's not going to be helpful. You want to accept it. Acceptance is key for so many of these things. We waste time when we don't accept things. And being proactive is a really important aspect of crushing anxiety and OCD and making it really tiny for our kids. So um, we don't want to be in denial. So acceptance is really important. And then I want to talk about the different ways that you can manage anxiety and OCD in multiple kids. So let's talk about that. That's the most important thing. The first thing I would say is you want to create a therapeutic home environment. I talk about this in my survival series, actually, that I was just talking about. In my survival series, I actually walk you through step-by-step how to create a therapeutic home environment. What is that? It sounds really good, but what is that? It means that your whole family culture, you know, your immediate family culture, your home fosters working on anxiety or OCD. And so that, that means that you have language developed. You have a behavioral plan developed. You have a way that you address the anxiety or OCD things that pop up in your family on a universal level. And so, and I'll kind of go into that as far as how my house works. But if you want a deep dive on this, definitely sign up for this series because not only do you get the three videos and it's a free series, so you don't have to pay for it, but I create a pop-up Facebook group that is just for the series. And I go in there and I teach like every other day for about a week and a half, almost two weeks. I do about, I think four Facebook live classes in there on top of the videos that you get. And I walk you through how to create a really comprehensive therapeutic home environment. Because even if you have the best therapist in the world, which most of us don't, but if you did, you still need to create your own steady therapeutic home environment that fosters all the skills that you're trying to build for your kids. So you can sign up for that at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. I need to memorize that. But I'm going to talk to you about how, like on a broad way, that helps. So I'm trying to think where to start. <laughs> Behavior modification is like really important. And so earning something for doing something brave is very critical when we're talking about how to tackle anxiety or OCD. My kids aren't going to want to swim with sharks, but if I give them the skills and they're going to earn something, they might dip their feet in with the sharks. They might. And so setting up bravery points or some sort of incentive that you can do for all your children is helpful. Now, I'm going to talk about these things in a more general way. I'm not going to dive into how the how-to of it because the purpose of this episode is just for you to see on a big scale the benefits or the ways to cope with multiple kids in your home. 
I have gone into detail about these things in other podcast episodes, and I will definitely go into it deep, deep dive into it during the series that starts on December 2nd. But in my house, all three of my kids have anxiety or OCD. I say, or because my oldest claims she does not have OCD and she probably doesn't, but she definitely has some light touchings of OCD. She has some um, subclinical OCD is what I would say, but strong anxiety issues. And then my son has very debilitating OCD and PANS and ARFID. We can throw out a whole bunch of acronyms for him and generalized anxiety. And my youngest, who's 10, has OCD, sensory motor OCD, and anxiety. And I have social anxiety and probably generalized anxiety as well. So we are just a fun bunch of people. (laughs) But we have created a way to talk about it. So we all know each other's issues. And I use Privilege Points, which is an app, and you can use any app, or you can actually create your own thing, where when my kids are doing an exposure or a challenge, they're instantly getting points to earn stuff in the virtual store. So you can look up Privilege Points. It's a really cool app that you can, it's actually for chores and stuff, but I've adapted it for um, exposure. And I'm talking about, for OCD, I'm talking about exposure with response prevention, ERP, which is the most effective, the most researched approach for OCD. And I've done episodes on that and I do dive into what that is in my series as well. And so the Privilege Points app, or however you're going to want to do it, you want to have a framework for all the kids in your house. And so having a way to reward and incentivize and use brave bravery points or whatever language you're going to use, you want to do that across the board for everybody that helps. It might look different. So for my daughter, when she was having a hard time learning to drive, you know, I might order her Starbucks and, you know, tell her that all she has to do is go pick it up. And that down the road, after she built her skills, was good incentive for her. Now for my other kids, Starbucks wouldn't be as motivating. And so maybe they're earning Robux or maybe they're earning, my son likes rocks. And so sometimes he's earning points to purchase rocks. So it's different for each kid, what's incentivizing them, but the framework is the same. So that's one thing. And the other thing is when you have multiple kids with anxiety or OCD, you can have general family talks about how we walk towards our fears. You can model things and you're modeling it for multiple kids in your family. So it's not like you have to start all over again when you have another child with anxiety or OCD. You're just doing it to the group. And so I know when I think about that, that does reduce my anxiety because I think it's the same thing for each kid, the same foundational approach. It's just, it's more kids that I'm dealing with. So you really want to hone in on how do I make this a therapeutic home environment? What am I doing? Do I have a privilege system set up like bravery points? Do we have language with each of my kids? So how do we talk about anxiety or OCD? In a perfect world, you don't want it to be different for each kid. You want to say, this is how we talk about it. Now, let's say you have one child who doesn't want to talk about it a lot because every kid's different and you have other kids that are very expressive about it. That's how it works in my house. In the beginning, my youngest daughter has always been very articulate about her struggles, but my son, not as much. My oldest daughter, not as much either. But they benefit because when they hear my youngest talking about her struggles and they hear me coaching her and they hear her doing exposures and challenges, they learn by absorbing what they're what they're watching. And so it's kind of like killing two birds with one stone because 
if they're not ready, like if my son wasn't ready to deal with his, he's still hearing me dealing with it with my daughter. And so that's a learning, that's a, it's a learning opportunity, even for the observer. So that, that is a positive thing. Now he's fine. He'll talk about it. They'll actually talk about their struggles together and it becomes kind of, and they actually challenge me to, Hey mom, is that your social anxiety? Don't, you shouldn't care what I'm wearing because, um, it's my clothes, not your clothes. We have a family culture where we understand each other's struggles. Now, sometimes that can get out of hand where, you know, maybe we have people who are being a little too parentified and so they're telling each other what to do, but with kids, you have that no matter what. So that's not too unusual. It's just going to be in the realm of anxiety or OCD. The other thing I would say is that your kids can learn from each other. And none of us would want multiple kids with anxiety or OCD, but I'm just highlighting the things that can be viewed as a benefit. And one thing that I have noticed with my kids is, you know, getting out of their own head and their own struggles and seeing and developing some empathy for other people's struggles. And that's a hard thing for a lot of kids, especially kids with anxiety or OCD, when they're consumed with their own struggles, they may not be able to understand why someone else would have a different type of fear. So your kids may not get each other's themes. You might think that they should totally understand this because they have it too. Or maybe you think your partner should understand it because they have it too. But anxiety or OCD has many different flavors, as I talk about a lot, and it shows up and feels different for each person. And so they may not get someone else's irrational thoughts or fears because that doesn't make any sense to them. Like, why would you be afraid of that? And so developing that empathy can help. My son often gets songs stuck in his head. It's actually part of his OCD. I get stuff like that too. What is it called? Like an earwig? What is that called? (laughs) It doesn't bother me. I actually like it. Like I normally have a song and it will stay with me for maybe a month and then it changes and I'm humming it all the time. A lot of times it's a very interesting song. It's like kind of related to what I'm going through in life at that moment. And so I pay attention to it because I find it really interesting, but it doesn't upset me. Now my son has that, but it's, it causes distress. He's afraid that it will never leave his head, that it will bother him. So it's like an intrusive thought, but it's an intrusive song. He also has intrusive images. Uh, OCD is not just about intrusive thoughts. It has many different faces. And so a lot of times he will yell at my youngest who likes to sing to stop singing because it's going to get stuck in his head. Well, we try not to accommodate stuff like that. We're not perfect because if we are, you know, a rough situation or I'm trying to get them somewhere and I can't handle the stress, I might say, Hey, can we just all be quiet? Which is accommodating and not good, but we're all human, right? You're not going to be hundred percent all of the time, but a lot of the time we'll say you don't get to control other people. You only control yourself. So if that song is bothering you, then you need to one, either sit with the discomfort. That would be the best choice. Or two, you can find earplugs or headphones, but that's up to you. We don't talk to your OCD or accommodate your OCD. Now, the interesting thing is my daughter, my youngest, who's 10 now, has started to lately become, I think, very hormonal. She's in a bad mood a lot. She's gotten very moody and she doesn't like when he sings or when he hums. And he actually makes a lot of noise, which is a little ironic as well. And so lately she's been yelling at him, stop humming or stop singing. And her irritation level is just increasing. And then I turned to her and I said, you know, you know, when he gets upset with you singing, we tell him he needs to get headphones because that's him, right? And we have to say the same thing for you because that's how he feels. And, you know, connecting the dots for our kids and getting them to realize 
that that person has this struggle and your struggle is like this. And when you have this struggle, this is how we all handle it. And so when he's struggling, this is how we're going to handle it. It's like bridging some empathy because don't assume your kids are going to have natural empathy for their parent who struggles with this or their siblings who struggle with this because they may not, they may not get it. And often I will have, you know, my kids all hear them bickering and saying, why can't you do that? Or why are you afraid of that? And I will pipe in and I'll be like, well, you know, blah, 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 upsets you, right? If you had to do this, how upsetting would that be? Oh, I would hate that. Okay. Well, that's how he feels about this thing. And so getting them to connect the dots and develop some empathy is actually a really good opportunity. And that can help. It is good to, on some level, have the whole family know what each person's issues are. And you you can either do that where you have like family meetings, if people are okay with that, or you can meet with your kids one-on-one once in a while and just say, you know, his issues are around blah, blah, blah. And that's why he gets really upset when you do blah, blah, blah. You really want everyone to be clued in and you also want to link it back to their issue. And so what I normally say is, I'll give you an example in my house. So I might say to my son, you know how like when you're eating, all of a sudden you get like intrusive thoughts about your food and you just can't eat it. And you're really focusing on like chewing and you feel like you can't swallow. You know how that feels like really scary and frustrating for you? Well, she has something similar, but it's in her bladder. Like she just feels like she's really focused on her bladder and she feels like she has to pee and she can't like do other things until she feels like she fully empties her bladder again. It's different, but it's a similar thing where it's like a nagging, bothering, overwhelming stressor, right? So what I'm doing there is I'm, I'm helping him understand her problems by using his problems. And you can do that. Um, The title of this podcast is multiple kids with anxiety or OCD, but it's actually multiple people because I'm talking about, you know, maybe a, a parent as well that is struggling and, and how do we all develop some compassion for each other and how do we all learn not to feed and grow the anxiety or OCD. And and there's a family culture inside your home of how you deal with these struggles. And so getting people to connect the dots by using their struggles and then bridging it to the person's struggles is a very helpful tool. Okay. The other thing I want to say is developing maybe some rules around the house informally of what you do for anxiety or OCD. And so it might be something like, you know, we don't accommodate anxiety or OCD and you generalize it to the whole house. You know, it sounds like OCD wants me to do this. I don't do things for OCD. The other kids will hear that and that'll be very helpful because you really want it to be a family affair because if you don't do that for the child's anxiety or OCD, they might find a sibling who will do it. And you want that family culture of we walk towards fear, we walk towards discomfort, and we don't overaccommodate anxiety or OCD. It doesn't mean we don't validate the, the discomfort or we don't have empathy for what's going on, but we don't cave to anxiety or OCD, or at least not all of it, right? And the nice thing is when you have multiple people in your house with anxiety or OCD, you can actually talk about this at the dinner table, or you can talk about it at a family meeting. You can do a movie night and watch something like Unstuck, an OCD kids movie, and have it relate to everyone. You can go to the International OCD Foundation's conferences as a family and have it relate to everybody. They're doing an IOCDF camp that's coming up in uh, January of 2022. And that's a great family thing to do as well. Members of my AT parenting community will have multiple kids come and show up on our support group Zoom phone calls. And 
that helps remove the stigma from anxiety or OCD. So that's the other silver lining is the stigma is less if you create a positive family culture. I mean, my kids are so that we talk about anxiety or OCD so much that I had to warn them that the rest of the world doesn't always see it in the way that they see it and that they might hear people saying, I'm so OCD or blah, 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 or they might be cruel about what they hear from them because people don't understand it because my kids don't have any shame about having anxiety or OCD. And I really do think besides being my kids, which is kind of, you know, it's in their face all the time, but I do feel like it's also because they have siblings that validate it. They know they have a big sister who struggles or, and is doing well now. And they know they have other brothers and sisters. They know they have a mom who has social anxiety. And so because we have an open family culture about discussing it all the time, there's no shame or guilt around that topic, which I think is fantastic. So the last thing I want to touch on is when you have multiple kids with anxiety or OCD, you really have to have a pretty formalized plan on how you're going to take care of yourself because you don't get a break, (laughs) or at least I feel like I don't get a break. It's almost, it it is like a, a rare unicorn rainbow day when none of my kids are in a rough spot. You know, with three of them, there's always someone who's struggling a little bit. And then maybe we get things under control and then boom, another person is struggling. On a whole, we can all be making progress and moving towards progress, but it feels like there's never like a true, full, complete timeout for anxiety or OCD at my house. And that may be at your house too, when you have multiple kids. It's part of our lifestyle. And that's how I view it is it's part of our lifestyle. It grows and it goes down. We build skills. We do hard things. It's just part of who we are. And I've been really forcing my kids out of their comfort zone. You know, since their dad died, we're traveling every single month because that's my new philosophy. Like be in the now, show up, focus, and life is about experiences and we're going to have as many as we can. And my kids are doing really scary, hard things, you know, traveling to Alaska and, you know, being in that freezing and we went dog sledding and we did a lot of fun things, but you know, anxiety and OCD went into our luggage and and came with us. And in the beginning, before my husband died, when we would travel, we we didn't travel. We would travel maybe twice a year. And we do like some two really good trips, but twice a year, which is probably more normal (laughs) than going somewhere every single month. But anxiety and OCD would show up pretty hard for those trips, you know, and, and would probably ruin some of them you know, my son couldn't find anything to eat and he would like, his OCD would be like out of control and he'd be starving. And my youngest had sensory motor OCD and she'd have to like know where there'd be a bathroom every single time. And she couldn't go in the car. She couldn't go on a plane without like throwing up and and having panic. And it was overwhelming, but because we're doing it every single month, they're getting resilient. My son is learning like, okay, I need to figure out how to eat this, or I need to find, look at a menu and find something that I can eat. And if I can't eat that, I need to find something else I can eat like a protein bar so that I have enough energy for this trip. And my daughter with her sensory motor OCD is like, you know, I have to learn how to hold my pee and live with the discomfort of not knowing if there will be a bathroom where we're headed. So my point is these issues are going to follow you and they're going to pop up, but the more you deal with them as a family, uh, the stronger your kids will get. And that's just part of, you know, who we are as a family, but we don't let that stop us from living life. We move towards those things and we don't hide. We're just like, we're going to do it anyway and you're going to get through it and that'll be good. But you do have to take care of yourself 
because that does get exhausting and it does get draining. So I think that you have to be more intentional with your self-care than maybe the average person, which means what do you do to take care of yourself? And you have to pencil it in or write it in your schedule and it has to be number one priority because if you are operating from a half full tank of gas, you are not going to be in any condition to help your kids and they need you because multiple people need you. And that's going to feel like a drain. It's going to feel like, you know, you've got concrete attached to your, you're wearing concrete boots, you know, and you're sinking and you can't get some fresh air and it does not have to be that way. I know I don't feel that way typically because one, I just look at my family as part of our family culture and our lifestyle is dealing with anxiety or OCD. That's just part of our life and part of who we are. And we do it and we're getting, you know, we have our, we have our rough times and we hit bumps, but I don't see like an end goal, you know, that we're trying to achieve. It's just, we are living and every day we show up and we do the best that we can. We wake up the next day. It's a brand new day and we continue and that's what we do. But I take really good care of myself now because after my husband died, you know, I just like completely shut down my body shut down and, you know, there was now additional trauma and that made it really hard for me to function. And so I had to learn how to take care of myself, you know, as a necessity. And you may not have hit that kind of wall or maybe you have, but it took that much for me to start to have an intentional plan to take care of myself. And that's going to look different for each one of you, but you want to tap into that. It doesn't have to be a bunch of massages and going to the salon, but it could, if that's what really helps you, you want to just be practical about it. You know, I walk two miles a day now, and that is really healing for me. I need that alone time. You know, I spend about maybe an hour in my bed before I go to sleep, winding down and doing, you know, a routine that kind of calms me. You know, I have like really nice smelling stuff in there and I read for a little bit and I have a whole routine that I do that kind of ends my day. And you want to find what can help you. And it doesn't mean that you have to leave your house, but even routines and habits that are just for you that recharge you are really important. And if you're an extrovert or an introvert who likes to get recharged by one special person, then you want to carve out time to spend with that person at least once a week so that you get recharged. But recharging is going to look different for each person. But the takeaway here is find what works for you and do it because the kids are going to be the kids and they're going to still struggle. And we need to fill up our, our tank before we can actually fill up theirs. And we don't really even fill up their tank. We just motivate them to do that for themselves. And so um, we got to practice what we preach and take care of ourselves. So I hope that this helps a little bit. I hope it gives you an idea of how to look at this from maybe the other angle, you know, a little bit more positive angle because it is what it is and motivate you to feel a little bit better about the situation. I actually am quite grateful. This is going to sound really weird, but I am quite grateful that all of my kids and myself included have some struggles that we deal with that are similar as far as just being anxiety or OCD, because it makes it easier for us, for us to all talk about it, for us all to work on it, for it to be a family affair. And that way I don't have one child who's being totally ignored and because they don't have any of these issues, which would make me feel guilty or bad. Oh man, you know, we've been talking about anxiety or OCD and, you know, little Johnny doesn't have to deal with any of this. It's like, nope, we all have our problems. <laughs> so it kind of normalizes it and it makes my parenting easier because then I can parent from the same lens for all of my kids. 
that's, that's a silver lining too. I don't have to wear multiple different hats. I mean, they all are uniquely different in their struggles, but my framework, my therapeutic home environment will work for all of them, which is helpful. So hang in there. I, um, I hope this helps a little bit. I hope you're enjoying my podcast. If you are, don't forget to rate it wherever you consume your podcast. That really does help. And if you have a few extra seconds, if you can leave a review, you know, I greatly appreciate that. I always like to end my show reading one of them if I have any new ones. So I want to thank Lurich who wrote great podcast for parents. Enjoy listening to these podcasts provides so much insight on how my child feels and why my child is experiencing the feelings she is having. Gives me a different perspectives that I share, not just with my husband, but my extended family and friends. Thank you so much for leaving that review. I really appreciate it. And maybe if you leave a review, I'll be reading yours next time. So hope to see you in this series. We can get to know each other a lot better. You can sign up at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 